podcast. My name is Wes Perdine, and I am joined on the phone with Alex Schiefedecker. Uh Well, how have you been? It's been a while since we've we've spoken with you. I've been I've been good. I don't know. I've just uh, I was sick one week, and uh, I was uh, I think I had trivia another week. So. Meanwhile, the loons have been up and down as ever, so certainly will not uh, lack the things to talk about. But you know, you know, I, I think um, what's funny about today's episode is we're going to talk about a nil-nil. Um, we're getting to the to the end of the season, but um, I'm, I'm I've had a kind of extremely long day and long weekend, and so it's like I always go into these things thinking, all right, well, you know, we'll just we'll just do a quick one. I'm sure we'll end this at like an hour and 10 minutes. Cause every time I think like, you know what, let's just, let's just go short and snappy. Let's just do this. And then Jesus, some, at some point, one of us is going to think of some stupid rabbit hole to go down. So um, let's, let's prepare for those rabbit holes. Um, I don't have any um, non Minnesota stuff uh, to, to really dig into. Um, I've been enjoying doing the um, FC St. Pauli uh, on delay with a few other folks who are um, FC St. Pauli fans. Uh, and so they drew this week, but last week they, they won the, uh, the, the Hamburg Derby at home for the first time in, in, in 50 or so years. Um, and so that's been pretty fun to watch, especially because we, we have to, um, we have to not look up any, uh, uh, any of the like lineups or anything, cause we don't want to accidentally see the score. And so it's a lot of like, and there's no commentary, so and there's no minute or score mark, and so it's a lot of like all of us like intensely watching, like none of us can. Mm-hmm. I had to go do something in the back of the bar, and I was like, "You guys, none of you go to the bathroom. Just make sure at least one person is watching, so we know if someone scored." And uh, and then like, wait, so number forty three, when number forty three is this person, et cetera. So it it, it it's like a, a team watching event uh, uh, to to educate ourselves. Well, are you doing some scouting for the Loons? Because I think that the two Bundesliga is probably a level where you could find some MLS talent. You know what I think about uh, Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2 is that um, I think the individual quality is often less than the, the, the really top quality of MLS. Um, I guess that's yeah. pretty obvious, right? Like Darwin Quintero even is, is a step above what most people, most teams have. You know, maybe obviously mm-hmm. not the Bayerns and Dortmunds, et cetera. But um, but the team quality and the the speed of play is much better. So I, I think uh, this is not groundbreaking observation. I think the the level of the lowest quality player on that pitch is much higher than the um, than the bottom three of most teams in MLS. And so yeah. the 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 cohesiveness about it is really great. So I, I think uh, again, not bre- groundbreaking observation, but like I think when you think about um, uh, uh, scouting, it's like which coaches from the Bundesliga or Bundesliga two, right? Okay, maybe not Bundesliga two, but, but, that's, Bundesliga. but that's like been a big trend in England too, right? With, with, with Norwich, with Daniel Farka. And I mean, obviously Liverpool have had success with the German coach, but you had uh, David Wagner mm-hmm. at Huddersfield. I mean, I think that there's been an increasing trend of these, here's our first rabbit hole, but these German coaches um, being exported mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, and Maybe, you, yeah. You wonder. You wonder if there's a team in in MLS that could take a David. You know, Wagner's at at Schalke now. I think um, definitely failed upwards there. Um, mm. And you wonder if there's. Well, a, an, you can't M- succeed in a lower the lower team in England anyway. So. No, no. But I think that he didn't even overachieve. He didn't even like Eddie Howitt, right? You know, I mean, he did very well to get them in there, and then they survived one year. But yeah, probably. That, but, yeah. You, you know, I wonder if an MLS team could grab a. Uh, uh, a, a, a David Wagner, Dortmund youth coach, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or, or I was just thinking specifically David Wagner if he's a if a gettable guy. Um, uh, that'd be a, a, a good question to put to like a Grant Wall or someone who actually knows that that level much better. But um, it'll also be interesting because Jesse Marsh is sort of moving in that circle now. Yeah, with yeah. His work in Salzburg. Yeah, his his uh, miracle work. Um. I mean, and, he'll, he'll probably make his way to RB Leipzig if he keeps this up. So yeah. soon he'll be in that echelon. What have they won seven in a row? I mean, <clears throat> before he got I don't think there, they've lost under him. Have no, they? They're, in they're, like a regular game? They've won seven in a row and they're, they're like goal differentials, like plus eight million. Um, and they won in the Champions League. But they had also won at home. They've won. They're now on like a 40 game home win streak or something like that. So it's not like he yeah. took over a schlub team, but. You know, obviously, what he's done is 
fantastic um, so far. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, 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 so that's my observation about the Bundesliga. I do think that there's there there is like really oh, good coaching there. And this if you, weekend they drew. Oh, the they first did? time they did not win. Oh, yep. Well, so you know what, Marsh out. Um, uh, looks like uh, uh, Rodrigo is going to be joining us. So um, get all the cool stuff in first. Um, so uh, you know, I, I guess I guess um, my thought there is like, if you look at a Minnesota, right, and you you want to think about what we always talk about what is the um, ethos behind it, what's the what's the tactics, mm-hmm. or even, um, but it's really not not tactics. It's really about like um, style of play and stuff, uh, and and the the underlying um, uh, idea behind it. And and you could get a Minnesota that um, is a really tight team and, you know, is also willing to spend, you know, a Portland, right. Um, you could have real success there. Um, and, you know, we have, we have all, obviously we'll get into Minnesota United and our, our, and obviously our priors on what we think Heath has or has not been able to accomplish. But I think it's very obvious what we know that this team doesn't have an underlying <clears throat> uh, tactical mentality or playing style and um, uh, and and that I think could really be successful. And so I would love to see um, if uh, you know I'd love to see if the, if the team thinks about that. But uh, I, I don't know if that's true. So the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, Megan Rapino. Obviously, um, was uh, named uh, FIFA Women uh, Player of the Year, and uh, and uh, um, kind of gave this speech, kind of uh, talking about kind of all these people. Um, who faced sexism, homophobia, uh, racism, call, you know, called out Raheem Sterling and uh, Colin Martin and, uh, and, and saying, you know, to the broader, you know, we have all these sports people here, let's make our sport something special. Um, it was awesome to see that. Um, you also had, uh, um, uh, you know, with, with Colin Martin, I wanted to, to mention that um, we're going to be doing at Blackheart. If you get this on Tuesday, um, you can come to Blackheart, 6.30 p.m. We're going to have Colin Martin showing up. He's going to uh, Sheila Regan of the Minnesota Football Show, who's a writer, um, is going to be doing the interview and talking to him, not just about soccer, not just about Minnesota United, but uh, just I wanted it to be more generally um, interesting uh, to the broader um, Blackheart population as well. Um, and so, yeah, I think, and I think we'll try to do some sort of live, uh, Q and a part, uh, that's always hard to kind of do. So maybe we'll take some, uh, um, have people submit some questions. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm super excited about that. I've only chatted with Colin a couple of times and he's doing it totally on his, uh, not as a Minnesota United player, just as a, someone who's kind of, uh, doing this for, Oh, so he just, he doesn't have a running tab at the Blackheart then? Um, no, apparently he doesn't. I don't know. I don't know which bars he's frequenting, but apparently not my bar. So, um, or just when I'm not there. Um, so anyway, uh, Rodrigo Sanchez Cheveria, you're you're here now. I um, am now. Thanks for joining us. Um, we started a bit early because I didn't know if you were gonna make it. Yeah, sorry, I had to deal. I'm allergic to mosquito bites, and I got this big one on the side oh. of my head, so like it just bulged up. So. That's a shitty thing to be allergic to in Minnesota. I know, right? Yeah. Right. My kid is too, so I was trying to put some Benadryl on it before I headed out here. So um, Monday, Mondays are my long days because I coach till like 7.30 and then I have to go pick up like the kid, pick up kids from practices. And so I this is the day I like only see my family for like 45 minutes. So, Well, we appreciate your sacrifice for the sake of soccer uh, and for us. Um Plus, plus, I heard I get wine, so I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Here, once so. you finish your Mountain Dew, all right. Thank really, you. Really, really good. Um, so, uh, uh, do you have any non uh, Minnesota United stuff you want to hit? Um, I was really excited because uh, the um, women, uh, there's a women's league in Peru now, and so there's a lot of they're kind of taking up um, kind of like a book out of the Liga Liga MX Femenil. So that's really interesting, specifically because. Um, because of the uh, what wasn't the it wasn't the Olympic Games, but it was the um, Women's World Cup. No, 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 no. They had they had a tournament in Peru in which um, I oh, I'm blanking out. But anyways, and so like a lot, there the federation is investing money in, in women's soccer, and so that's good to see. And um, it gives me just a, you know an inch of hope because I know my girls if they ever decide to play for a national team probably won't be be for neither of 
my choosing. So, so it's good to be able at least to have a place where they can do that. But besides that, you know, it's just uh, been been a really busy weekend. So. Yeah. Tell me about it. I'm I'm dying right now. So, everyone on this podcast is like, "Oh, great! We've got dead people uh, uh, giving us a podcast." But the Perfect. one thing, one thing to do is 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 um, that um, Issa's coming up with some sort of response from listening to the last last. Uh, oh my god! So so we'll see what happens. She hasn't been able to. She's focusing on um, school, but also if they win on Wednesday, they are able to. There'll be city city conference champs. So. Excellent. So, um, well, uh, yeah, we don't need to continue the uh, Issa versus the geezers uh, battle. Um, so let's uh, let's take a break. We'll come back and we've, we're going to talk about Minnesota United versus Portland. Isa and the geezers, yeah. Here we are on the Fifty Five One podcast. Uh, it's all geezers here all the time, and uh, uh, let's talk about Minnesota United uh, against Portland, nil nil. Um, uh, I, I guess I'll say this, and you guys can can always respond to it and let me know what you think. Uh, it's a good draw. It was a poor performance, but it's definitely a good result uh, against a team they desperately needed three points. We could be dissatisfied with one point on the road. Um, of course, as long as we get things done at home, these, right? With, you yeah. know, with with this, particularly this home game coming up this week. I mean, you've pointed it out many a times. A, a win in the MLS away, you know, I mean, at a point, any point, and away games are, are valuable. So it was, it wasn't the cleanest game. It wasn't the prettiest, but overall, you were able to get results. So that's what you were looking for to do, specifically in a tough place to play. So yeah. It was such a strange game because I think both teams should feel really mad that they didn't get more out of it. I mean, both teams certainly should believe that they should have scored. Portland. There were so many chances. Port- yeah, I mean- Portland hit the, the woodwork twice. I mean, Manone made a number of you know, good to, to great saves. Yeah, but, no, but yeah, he, know, didn't, he didn't make any super that, saves, yeah. No, but the loons had that late breakaway from Molino, and they had, you know, the 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 dummy from Toy when there was just no back post runner for no reason. I mean, they just had, you know, uh, Robin Lud hit the hit the crossbar. I mean, it was just both teams had, and both teams had like extended spells where it felt inevitable that a goal would be scored, and it was crazy that it ended zero zero. I mean, that was it was not. It was just a bizarre result. It, there was I don't know which. 15 minute period it was but it was probably like 65 to 80 or something where it felt like oh portland's gonna score they had so much momentum by right the way until minnesota made it subs like 60 yeah, yeah 60 to 75 basically yeah and because and it, then the loons carried the game in the final 15 yeah and portland tried really at the end but it, they just they looked lacking energy they looked tired minnesota also looked tired and but you re, I, I looked at it and thought man if portland were slightly bit incisive tonight they would be they would be leading two nothing but you know uh, I, mean, I think Manone you know you had a couple of big key you did have good performances from some key Minnesota players so I think also it's just um you know Portland has been in this bad ratchet of not being able to score and I don't know how many games has been two or three games I saw it was like uh 225 minutes at yeah home. And so where they've so. just been, you know, you know, I think last game, uh, Diego hit the crossbar and an easy chip. I mean, it's just not been going on to the point where they, where they either they rested Valeri because he hasn't been producing, you know, they wanted to keep his legs. And even when he was able to come on, he wasn't. It's as, the iron front curse. Yeah. MLS needs to, uh, needs to end this madness. Um, I, I let's start with, uh, Minnesota then and talk about this, um, uh, I mean, we always harp on lineups and whatever. The lineup was pretty predictable. It was kind of um, th- the new Heath favorite uh, lineup uh, with um, Gasper back in the lineup at left, Lude at left wing, um, <coughs> Toy, uh, Darwin, and Molino. Um, uh, I, I don't want to continue the Lude conversation unless someone has <laughs> something new to say about him, but certainly... 
Do we do we <laughs> we'll have, to- have something new to say about him when he does something new? Yeah, yeah. Uh, do we have any? Was was this game any worse or better than anything else? Was it? Are we still in the like? Yeah, he's he's like okay, but like, why is he in there for ninety minutes? Is has anything changed from that? I not for me. I mean, he was making decent runs, but he still wasn't game changer. But I, well, but I'm I'm just surprised. Is mostly is like how like Chacon is not on the eighteen at all. These last couple of games that he hasn't been able to, you know, since we have Heath, someone who is who likes to give opportunities to new incoming players, he hasn't gotten that much. So he hasn't got. Yeah, yeah but he went. He like started starting immediately, despite the fact that he's played twenty two, like twenty two first team games in his life, and is new to the country and new to the league. He was like thrown in almost immediately, and then he got put on the left. Where it's not his natural position, had a poor performance, and has never been seen again. <laughs> it's bizarre. What's going on? Typical Heath, I think. Right? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just very strange. I don't. I don't get it. The, but the, the kind of freezing out of a player like that, and Angela, and maybe it's not freezing, but from all my understanding, is it's not a fitness thing. That kind of freezing is like what's going on behind the scenes. And I, I do not want to speculate other than to say to mildly speculate, which is just like something's going on behind the scenes, whether it's attitude. I, my speculation oh. of Angelo is definitely, it's probably attitude. Like, Hey, I came in as a DP and now you're uh bench. You've benched me and now whatever, but Chacon, it's like, wait a second. Like he's 18, right? You yeah. Just let you, him play. He's got energy, right? Yeah. He's and, been in the country for like two months. <laughs> yeah. Let's, yeah. Like, he keeps on posting Instagram photos him. of him drinking mate. So, I mean, he's, he's, yeah. he's definitely not that busy. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it is bizarre though. Right. I mean, and it's very bizarre. Like we've, again, this is just rehashing this. I won't even say about Miguel, right? Miguel's a separate thing, but like where you're not using this depth that you have, right? Right. Like, where it's, it's, We've said this before. It's clear Dinladi is not the answer, and you've got this guy who, you know, you can lump the ball up to him and he will hold that freaking ball. Right? He's not going to. Um, if you're if you're bunkering against Portland and you want this guy to like make a great run, like Dinladi, if Dinladi was at the top of his game, right? That's that's what you would want Dinladi yeah. to do. You're talking Dinladi, about Rodriguez here, yeah, 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 yeah. And so Angelo won't do that, but Angelo will. If you lump that ball to him and you're under pressure, he will hold that ball and get you out of and pressure. He's gonna win dangerous free kicks for you, and he's gonna force Portland to into into. into, into Tricky defensive. I mean, he's, he's obviously not a, a really a goal scorer, but he's so difficult to handle as a, as a defender that, you know, if you get him the ball in the box, you're going to have real difficulty getting the ball away from him or whatever. That I mean, that's what he's good at. And so this was, I mean, and maybe it's hindsight. Maybe they, the Loons expected a very different type of game. I'm not sure why, but, but this is the kind of game where he could have really actually been a very useful you know 30 uh, 60th minute sub just to really put portland back under pressure but also because he has been in some sort of um he has some sort of ongoing working relationship with with darwin so like he, they've been connecting a little yeah. bit more and it would have been nice well, i mean he's like he you know, he kind of plays like a post-up you know like he posts he's like a post-up yeah. player he, like, he gets the ball behind his back and then he tries to do something with it, either get fouled or or try to play it after someone making a run. And uh, but at the same time, I mean, like I don't I don't comprehend. Just you know, you have you know Brian Rodriguez starting now because Diamande is on. Um, yeah, he's checked in. So yeah, now now you have the Uruguayan that they paid a million dollars for, pretty much getting all the playing time that he is. And while we have a Uruguayan player here, for, we've got yeah. like four who doesn't even make the 18. I will say it, it very much makes sense why Toy is now shifted to the number one, and you see the the, the change of play because with Molino back in the team, Molino is now the playmaker. Darwin is not a playmaker, and I think this is actually a great positive step, right? Darwin is not a very good playmaker. He can make some really great passes. Darwin is a second striker, and he Kool-Aid mans the fuck out of the ball, and that's awesome. <laughs> but like, but um, but if you've got Molino to like step in there and do these passes, he can send those. We've seen his last five games. Is it more than that? I don't know. He's only started yeah. 10 games, uh, some they said during the game. But his last few games, he his passes are so good. He can make them break so well that like 
Angelo can't quite take advantage of that the same way Toy can. So I very much understand why. Okay, Toy's the man there. Yeah. Um, uh, again, I, I go. Yeah. I think the key with Molino and and Quintero, I think they're both playmakers, but they're playmakers at different levels of the field. Like Molino has a better range of passing from like the really the middle third. You know, the the half the midfield line, for instance. I, I, if if we if we have People making runs and the ball at the midfield line, I'd rather Molino be on it than Darwin. Um, Darwin is really good in the sort of first half of the final third. So the fifth, <laughs> sixth of the field. Um, you know, the, the area on top of the box, um, that's the area where he wants to operate um, in, in this while attacking a set defense, obviously he's also quite good as, as a counterattacker, but he's better, a little bit better in those smaller spaces than Molino because he's he's got a he's better control on the ball. So I, I think that they operate really well in different planes of the field, and that's why I've enjoyed having this attack where Molino is up higher in the middle, and Molino is up. Sorry, Quintero is up higher in the middle. Pardon me. And Molino is operating on the wing and underneath him. He has that freedom to go underneath and collect the ball and distribute. And we've had some really great plays and so many great long passes from Molino to Toy to Quintero from that situation in the, the past month or two. The other thing I'd say is if if we have a counterattack and it starts in. Uh, the middle third, you know, so just uh, or or just over the half line of the attack. I want Darwin there, right? If, if Dar, if, if, we, if we're running with the ball, I want Darwin yeah. on it. If we're passing the ball, I want Molino on yeah. it. Yeah. Well, no. What I'm saying is, like, if if Molino's got the ball and we're counterattacking, and there's going to be three, two or three defenders there, I want Quintero, right? And if there's yeah. if it's just I'm going to pass the ball and he's going to go off the shoulder and go in the final third. Uh, one on one on goal. Then I want Toy there because I think yeah. Toy Toy's obviously um, got the, got a different skill set and I think is a, is a great finisher. Um, and the the real thing is that um, Quintero can find ways to. He does not go around these guys, but the ball magically ends up somewhere and stick. Well, he tried to drib- I mean, he tried to dribble around the whole Portland defense in this game. Yeah early on in the match. I mean, and was denied by a great late tackle, but he needed to get rid of the ball way earlier. And this is a game where I would, I, I was saying, all right, Darwin is obviously not, something's not clicking. Maybe, maybe it is a mentality thing and, and you just have to manage him like Zlatan, right? Where he's not getting up for this game or whatever. Um, uh, maybe that's it. But regardless, like, he, he wasn't clicking for him. And I would have loved to see Molino go to the middle and you, and bring Finley on and bring, uh, mm-hmm. you know, bring Miguel on for Lud. And then you've got a little bit more pace on the wings and, uh, and you still have Molino making the, the, the playmaking and um, Darwin's not working. So great. Don't, don't, don't try to make something happen. That's not working. Um, you know, I think Darwin should always be starting and you need to manage his mentality well to get him up for the game. But sometimes it's not going to work for a star. He just kept dribbling at Diego most of the time, which I totally was like, why would you try to go against someone who who pretty much could dispossession you every chance you get a chance? I thought you you were saying Valeri, but no, Chara. Chara, Yeah. That's part of that buddies. is also because Chara is just always well positioned. Yeah, that's the thing too. It's like so he's and and, and he's not willing to go around yeah. him or get rid of the ball pass, and then, and so that's what, what what was happening a lot. He was getting disposition, throwing his hands up in the air because he felt that he was being fouled, yeah. and and you know it wasn't as productive. But but I have to give him credit that he tried. He, look, he did he did look for Toe in a couple of occasions from long balls and passes. That one long ball to the second post that that. Uh, Toy was able to get a head on and put it on a frame, but not really on target. There, there were opportunities there, and I, I like seeing that they're trying to build some sort of relationship. But I just don't. I rather see, I rather see Molino make that make that pass, and I rather see Darwin do that. So, oh, I'll be honest. I didn't. I did not mind the substitution. I mean, I, I still going back two years. I don't trust Molino as the sole chance creator, and I, I think he is really best with someone else like Quintero who can, who has, you know, complementary skills and, and has a different center of gravity. I thought the subs were too late. I mean, I, I thought that the Finley, um, for, 
for Lud, substitution was way too late. Um, and, and the game started to change after that happened, I think just because we had more energy. Um, I liked uh, Dodson as well for Quintero mm. because at that point in the game, I was totally fine with putting in a player like Dodson who is just going to gum up the works a little bit more in midfield who obviously has that ability to maybe you know, to hit a goal from, from distance. Um, I didn't mind those two subs. I, I do want to yeah. pivot if, if you guys are okay with it, yeah. to talking about the first sub, um, which of, of course I had to bring up. Um, Icopara, I guess was just upset stomach, uh, needed some Pepto-Bismol, um, and had to come out of the game at halftime. And he opted for Lawrence Olam, mm-hmm. um, who's obviously a defensive midfielder, um, and <laughs> hashtag free Olmsberg, do it. Well, see, well, I tweeted at you at you, this. Yeah, I know. And, and, and this is the thing, like I, I, this game is, is pivotal. It's a pivotal game. I understand why you want to go with Olam's experience, even though he is not a central defender by trade. I, I get that. I, I, I understand it. My, I don't. Mike, no, I do, and it and it and it worked. But I will say that it's part of a larger pattern, which has generally not worked, and the, it's part of a strategy which overall has not worked. I mean, I think about when we were missing; we had like only one healthy central defender, and we instead of putting Amsberg in the place, we put Tyrone Mears. Oh, yeah, that's and if my memory. I was thinking, I was me, like, who's that guy who went to back to England? Yeah, yeah. Memory serves. We we lost that game. I think three zero to Dallas. Um, you know, there have there have been these other cases where we have, I mean, <clears throat> like the the reason you can't risk putting Omsberg in that position is because you haven't challenged him before. Like you haven't put him in these types of positions when the stakes were lower, and that's a failure. That's a you know, it's a failure of development um, that you have to put that you have a center back on your on your bench and you have to put the defensive midfielder in that position anyway, because you have not provided enough opportunities to that center back for him to be a vet of, you know, an option in that spot. So I think that, I think that that's a, a larger problem with the approach greater than just the decision that was made on this day. Yeah. A couple observations there. I would say one is I want to say Boxall was very good this game. Um, Minone as well. Um, I was obviously very frustrated that Olmsberg was not put in. He's been really good in Madison. Was just team of the week last week, I think, and uh, or the week before. Um, and certainly that's obviously a different level. One thing that made me, you know, Olam did do very well when he came in. Uh, had uh, several good clearances and and didn't put in a bad foot. One thing that made me a little bit more sympathetic to this situation was um, this was a game that was not going to require the real athleticism from the uh, center back. Um, it was because we were always going to be sitting back and uh, and there was not much chance of Olam being caught out one on one with a, a Portland attacker on the counter. Um, yeah. And so I, I think thought, it's a good point. So I think that this is a chance where like, okay, I might be a little bit more okay with it, but, but again, you have this player who you thought very highly of, uh, and he's been doing well on loan, um, giving them chances, uh, to, to kind of show what they can do. Um, and to, to I mean, trust we've heard people. from people who, pay close attention to Madison who say he's been fantastic. For yeah. Um, well, and, and I mean, I said on, on the show that when I talked to Connor and I asked him uh, about the, the low knees, he raved about uh, Wyatt Olmsberg. He said he was uh, absolutely a top player and, and, and would, would be capable of great things. And, you know, uh, Connor is, you know, you can trust the judgment or not, but um, I, I think that, uh, Getting getting these players, we've seen what happens when you trust players like Asandi Dotson and Chase Gasper. What they've done, and hey, mm-hmm. magical! You know, obviously we've we've also seen players who have been trusted with that and have not done it right. You know, we've we've seen um, uh, players, the young Carter players, Manley, Carter Manley, has not or, taken um, his opportunity. Yeah, yeah, or Ishjom and, and, and these guys. Right. Um, so, sir, you know, he could be an Ishjom or he could be a, a, a Hassani Dotson. I think my issue was with uh, playing Larry was that he, 
there, you know, the the lack of communication between, between him and and Boxel at certain points was was scary. Um, I think there was a ball that was that, that was that was threaded, and there was no communication, and and a, and a goal scoring opportunity came that Portland did not did not was not able to capitalize, but he decided to stick to the closer man instead of going to the far post. And the situations like that, yeah. those are things that you know. In a, in a in a game type situation, a real time situation, you don't want to be able to put someone who doesn't have the experience to do that. So, like, I understand why you want to put someone who has more experience, but at the same time, it just doesn't make sense to me because well, I rather give sure someone I rather give someone an opportunity, whether to 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 prove to to prove that they can play or not, and and, and why it, yeah. we've all been talking about giving him a chance, but just the fact that he's not willing to do that. Like like Alex said, it's just a, it's just a reflection on his on the coaching and development that they have, or they don't have, right? I mean, even Dotson, uh, when he came in, he had an error pass that could have been costly. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. um, let, let me let me pivot then again to um, uh, Bobby Warshaw and his kind of roundup of the the twenty four teams this week. Uh, he focused on the uh, midfield pair, <coughs> and he talked about how Jan Gregush and um, uh, Ozzy Alonso have been. He he said in the top six pairing, uh, you know, didn't didn't say who didn't try to say who was the best, but um, said that uh, Gregus has been very underrated. A lot of people, I think, the last few weeks, MLS MLS dot com realtor people have been talking about how um, uh, good young Gregus has been, um, which is nice to see because I don't think we we definitely have not given as much credit. So. Um, I'm curious for you, for you, Alex, if you have any thoughts on on you know we talked about Ozzy, what Ozzy does, but Gregush and then Gregush in this pairing, uh, what you think about how they've done because they were pretty good in this game, I think. They've been really good all season. I mean, they, just like with how I think that Quintero and Molino are complementary, I think that Gregush and Alonso are also complementary. Um, you know, they're obviously quite different body types. Um, and they're good at winning the ball in midfield and they're good at staying close to each other. You know, they both know how to play the position. I think that what we have seen from Gregor over the course of the year, as he's gotten more familiar with his teammates in the league is, uh, is in better accuracy in passing. And I, I don't have the statistics to back it up and would, if someone does, I would love to see it. But uh, to me, he, like Alonzo, Alonzo is famous for being an incredibly accurate passer. And I think that Gregush has uh, kind of joined him in being very, very tidy with the ball. And, the, you know, everyone looks at the interceptions and the tackles and the clearances as part of the defensive midfield. But one of the absolutely crucial pieces of that position is never losing the ball in the first place. Mm-hmm. Never, you know, is is ensuring that when your team turns over the ball, it's deep into the final third so that the opponent has as far to go to score as possible because a big thing that determines the likelihood of a team scoring a goal is where they recover possession. I mean, that's, that's basically the crucial insight of Jurgen Klopp's career. And what Gregush and Alonzo offer the loons in large part is that security on the ball in the midfield. And they don't, they don't turn the ball over cheaply in that area. And I think that's absolutely critical. And it's good, you know, the good also that the loons have guys like Metanier who also is very tidy on the ball. Um, but, but Gregush and Alonzo get the primary touches in that area. And Gregush is a little bit further advanced than Alonzo. And he has, distributed really well. And, and that's, it's, you know, he hasn't, I know we sort of know that he has a, he, he wants to hit these sort of long range shots from, from now and then. And he's really only scored one this year and it was a goalkeeper error more than anything, but he had, you know, he hasn't had like a highlight two. moment. No, he only has one goal. One, oh, okay. He had the one, he had the one that, um, that um, uh, David Bingham uh, totally screwed up. Oh, yeah early in the season against LA. But 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 what I mean is he hasn't had like a highlight moment, but he's he hasn't he's really not had a low light moment either. He's just been really, really steady in midfield and that's what the loons needed. He's I, been fantastic. He had that one was it in the open cup against Houston where he 
gave up an arid pass that turned yeah. into. So I mean, he he's had he's gotten he's, he's gotten had, better. Yeah, but they've been less and less, yeah. right? Right. They no, no, I agree less. with you. I think one of the to to just talk about some of some of his accurate passing. We all remember the first goal that Toy scored against LAFC, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That was a pass for John Gregish where he where they yeah. where they were able to split the back line and he was able to do that. So like. I, I've really been beginning to enjoy more and to see his confidence because his past game against Portland, he had two shots from outside of the 18 that he took. And usually, you know, when he ever gets the ball over there, he's been most likely trying to play it back or playing better. But the fact that he's taking shots more now, it just seems more encouraging to be able to see what he does and what he can do. And eventually he's going to hit them. But if he's not hitting them, at least he's putting the, the defense and the goalie at uh, not at ease, but just you know, be, do, just to be able to you know let them know that he's more than willing to shoot from that from that range. I like to see maybe Ozzy do that every once in a while more, but uh, for right now, I think I think they are they are they are working uh, nicely together, and it's nice to see how they've developed uh, a correlation and 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 working partnership that you know is 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 key for us to be successful, specifically down the road. Yeah. I think um I think uh I think one of the things sorry I got distracted here by my computer making noise. Um uh with him he had two key shot or two key passes in this game and maybe only missed like six passes. I think that the his ability to um to we we maybe thought that he was going to be more of this guy who would um uh, really like break the lines and be a bit more forward and passing. You know, we, we just didn't know what, what what he would be doing. And he's been just doing someone who being someone who's tidy in possession. And I think that that um, if you've got other playmakers further up, um, it's really working. And that's why the four three three. Why I think we've all been very much against four three three is that he just he's not doing enough. Um, uh, as a as a really good playmaker, as a midfielder, that's why you need the the three men behind the striker. The four two three one has the been the only other than the the every once in a while with the the five man back line, um, but the the four two three one has been really the only like sustainable tactic that that we've used. And so um, I would like to see, uh, you know, if if we're only going to have either a Hassani and, and Gregus there um, or, or Ozzy and Gregus that you have to have a, a couple, a number of playmakers in front of them. Um, people who are going to break those lines because they're doing a great job of being tidy, making sure we don't make mistakes, making sure that we move the ball effectively around the field. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think that we just have not uh, on, on this podcast really, raved enough about Gregus and and the fact is we have uh we have how many now five fantastic signings to to rave about you know we early in the season we were all about Metonier right obviously we were all the whole time we've been all about uh Ike and Ozzy and then um, Vito and Vito Vito we've been up and down I don't think anyone we've ever been like raving about him but he's been very solid he's been very solid I mean honestly man. we we could be raving about him after this performance yeah, yeah. he was I, I, we talked about it earlier. He hadn't. He didn't have a real jaw-dropping save, but uh, like three of his saves, three or four of his saves were not easy saves, he, and you'd expect him to make them, but you may not expect him to make all four. You know, every yeah. game, and he did. He was he was faultless. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he has he had some early hiccups in the year, just a little bit like Jan. He's totally settled down. I, I he really has not. I cannot remember the last big yeah. mistake he had. Um, uh, I it's visually in my brain. I, I it's imprinted when it went uh, like under his <laughs> it, it like nutmegged him under, and he kind of went down. It was at home. Oh, and then he turned around and he kicked the goalposts. No, that well, that was a that was the turf monster. No, this was a when was that. Turf. Uh, the t- go, uh, turf monster was just like, but this was one that's just in my brain. I have no idea when it was from, but, um, uh, but so if we talk about those five, right, the, the five big signings, then you also have the draftees of Gasper and, uh, Hassani awesome. toy was from last year, but you know, that still counts. I mean, the, it basically feels yeah. like he's a new player. So right. you, you, we, we've all, we've been like cycling in and out. So this, this is our young Gregush week. Uh, um, because I I think that that he really has. Been. Well, I mean, if if you look at it right now, I think he's averaging probably two or three shots per game. 
So that's like more than I thought he was averaging. More yeah, than, yeah, and and they're good shots. You know, one one out of two is yeah, a good shot. Yeah, um, and so yeah, I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm right. I'm curious. Right, to, but from to a see. from a team that usually likes to take their chances inside the inside the eighteen instead of outside of the eighteen, they, you know, it's it's good to have someone who takes shots outside of the eighteen. That's what I'm. Okay, we should also talk. He's been doing set piece delivery, and it. it I mean, we're not very good at set pieces, but I'm not sure that's on him. I think that's because we don't have good targets for it. Yes, his and his passing rate. Sorry, I finally looked this up. His passing rate is 85.5, which is pretty decent. Not not spectacular for a for a, a midfielder. His shots per game is 2.1. Um, it's been man. I want to know what's happened to his passing rate over time. That's that's the question I will assign our listeners if someone wants to look that up. Oh, David. Uh, I don't have. Oh, I can. Uh, we can look at. It. There's. There's other thing. I mean, you can go to um, who scored. Uh, com. He has maybe four point eight long balls per game. Anyway, whatever. You guys go to who scored. com. Scintillating podcasting. Let's, yeah, yeah. Oh, let me read some statistics for you, dickwads. Um, so let's let's finish off this with. Uh, um, We'll we'll come back and do a few Twitter questions and, and look forward to the next two games. But and any final thoughts on nil nil against Portland? I think we're all. We've, I, I we've, think both teams had chances to score. I mean, I think I think Blanco's shot that went off the post was probably one of Portland's best chances to to get that because Vito didn't even move on that one. But I also thought like Molino's miss a shot at the goalkeeper right when he was one v one. I think we've had. It was just a lot of people just not being able to to and, make sure. Oh, and there was that one late break with Toy. Right, Toy, yeah. Toy was obviously gassed, right? Too bad yeah. you, you know, too bad you didn't <laughs> manage this team properly. And right. Obviously, like, Ike and Olam, you can't plan for that. But then, like, uh, anyway. But, yeah, Toy, I think the Toy key was out gassed. of this game is that the loons are in really good position. And not right. necessarily, you know, the draw in this point on the road was nice. It's also that a lot of the other teams who are challenging them, Dallas and San Jose are struggling. Oh, they're turning and, it up, man. It's turd fest yeah. central in the West. And, right. And, and then you got galaxy so, who's playing strong. Yep. So, so Minnesota, basically, I mean, you know, every, basically every team, almost every team has nine possible points that they could get if they win their final three games. Seattle and Dallas have six possible points because they only have two games remaining. I mean, the the loons are in really good shape. They they basically have to watch Salt Lake and the Galaxy, and in, if they can equal what those what, you know with what what both of those teams are doing, they're probably going to get a home playoff spot, here's which the, is the goal. Here's the and one that's really one, exciting. Here's the one caveat. So we are, yeah, Salt Lake, let's say FC Dallas, who are three points behind us, um, San Jose, four points behind us. They're not Dallas gonna, are four, yeah. They're not going to beat us uh, to the, oh, yeah, they're four points. Sorry, I was looking at um, They're Salt, not going to beat us. Salt Lake are four. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, Salt Lake are two, Dallas are four. I'm yeah. sorry. So let's Keep just talking. say, yeah, Real Salt Lake are the ones who are really fighting us for that home playoff spot, which is, we've all said, that is the goal. Um, we're going to get playoffs. Congratulations. That's awesome. Home playoff spot. Um, Real Salt Lake have LA Galaxy, Houston Dynamo, Vancouver. Obviously, that LA Galaxy game is going to be huge for us a lot, right? If they draw that game and we get a good result against Kansas City, if we can get a win and maybe a draw, if we can get four more points, right? But Real Salt Lake have six points in the bag, right? You would think, but it's MLS. So, but Houston Dynamo and Vancouver are a pretty easy thing. So it, it is going to be tight and we need to do more than just the basic, what what we would expect four points, right? Maybe lose to uh, um, LA or lose to Seattle, draw with LA beat. What's Kansas funny City. is that LA galaxy also have Houston and Vancouver. Oh, yeah. as their final teams. So LA and Salt Lake have the exact same three opponents. You know, Houston, Vancouver, and each other. So that'll be interesting. I, I think that the other X factor is that Minnesota have one game remaining in Seattle, and um, Seattle are one point above the Loons with one more game played. So there's 
a potential if Seattle can, you know, drop a couple more points, if Minnesota take care of business against Sporting, I mean, the Loons could get the second seed if things go their way. So there's a pretty, I mean, this is the way it's been all throughout the stretch run, but there's a pretty wide variability in where Minnesota can place. And if the, I mean, the Loons could, could drop out of the home, I mean, technically they could drop out of the playoffs altogether. I think that's really unlikely, but they could drop out of the home playoff seating or they could take second place and yeah. that should earn them potentially two home playoff games. Yeah. So there's just a wide swing of possible results. And, and that game against that upcoming game against Kansas city this week is just, uh, it's, 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 a, you it's have right. to win it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. To get where you want to be, you have to win it. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Back on the fifty-five-one podcast, um, one thing that we did not talk about the, the elephant, that we're going to talk about now elephant in the recording studio is um, is Brent Coleman. He uh, is suspended uh, for he was uh, tested positive for performance enhancing drugs. Um, he will be suspended for ten games, so that means he can't train with the team. He can't do player appearances with the team. Even in, he can do preseason, but he can't do any preseason games. He can only do closed door scrimmages. So that means um he can only play as Atlanta United on FIFA. Yeah. Yeah. Um so um I, I guess for, for, I will say um I know Brent only a little bit, interviewed him a bit, chatted with him a few times. Uh a, a totally stand up dude, very nice, kind guy. Also, very like most uh, athletes I've ever met, a very intense dude, right? Um, someone who uh, he wants to perform and win and and be at his best. And I saw this news and got really sad because um, you can uh, empathize with the level of desperation a player like that feels, where he's got this ongoing hip injury. He wants to be ready all this time. You know, all these players are going away. He wants to be ready and he's trying to get there and then just cheats a bit. Right. And makes a big mistake and he's owned up to it. And I just, I felt really bad and, and was really hopeful that like, um, I hope that he's got people around him. Cause it like seven months of not being around your comrades and like not it's just, doing it. Yeah, it's just devastating. Not doing what you're, you're here on the planet to do right. I mean, that's that really sucks. So I, I really feel bad. He's he, you know there's very few play, people um, in the Minnesota uh, United fandom world who who have much bad to say from, to him uh, about him except for on Reddit because they're shit bags. But um, <laughs> but I, it really sucks. I don't know. Do you, I don't know if you guys have anything else to say other than that. But I, I mean, it's 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 unfortunate and it's disappointing because. He is a well liked player among the community, and you know he's 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 a Minnesotan, so he there's that extra connection that you have to, to be able to be you know i mean you can I can understand why 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 he did something like that, but I don't condone it and 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 he himself has put himself in a situation where he's yeah. not getting paid for like what is he taking twenty percent of a salary is that what yeah, it was yeah. yeah, I mean that's and he's not making buku bucks, so that's yeah. that's that's a good I chunk mean, of. Compared to us, he's making. Buku yeah, well, bucks. compared, I'll take the twenty percent, <laughs> but I'm like, but he's not making that buku I, bucks. I will that, say the the real the the saving grace for him is that he's under contract through twenty twenty. So that was my concern. So you know, if he was if his contract was up at the end of this year, oh man, peace by. Then where is he going to be? He's, he's going to be in forward Madison next year, and then that's the, that's his career. He has a chance to come back next year. And he's going to be with the team and hopefully prove himself. You would hope that this team would then give him a chance to prove himself. I hope that he gets that chance. Um, uh, Playoff games also count towards the suspension. So let's win MLS so, Cup, dudes. Do right, it for Brent. So, so that should be the theme. Do it for Brent. Yeah. Do it for <laughs> Woodbury. Let's say the, I don't know, let's say the Loons win two games in the, in the playoffs. That's six games already off of the 10. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope to see him back. Um, let's uh, let, let's um, look uh, forward to a couple um, uh, to these games. We've got uh, Kansas City on Wednesday. Kansas City. We've got um, uh, LAFC at home, our final home game 
Sunday night. Um, uh, obviously, uh, I goes without saying, everyone should pregame and postgame at Blackheart of St. Paul. Isn't um, that what everyone should be? But at? Kansas City, we, we mentioned this. Maybe we don't need to go over it again. Kansas City are are fucking garbage, and somehow they're actually still in the playoff race, technically, mathematically, if you do the math. Um, Until Wednesday. And uh, and <laughs> it is the type of game. This is Houston away right here, right, guys? Right. It's the type of game where we, yeah. we're doing – where we – Shit the bed, right? It's Vancouver at home. Oh. It's Orlando at home. Like we've been pretty good at home. Um, we haven't really lost, but we've had these performances where we need to get three points and we get one instead. Right. I mean, you think about that Orlando game. You think about that Vancouver game. Where would the Loons be right now if they had won those? Probably I mean, second. they would be. Yeah. They would be running away. They'd be well ahead of Seattle, and we'd be pretty confident that they'd be getting the second place yeah. in the league. So huge difference. I mean, they need to take advantage of this sporting team. That's yeah. not very good. So who makes the 18 for you then? If that's if this is an important game that we don't want to uh, poop the bed in. I, I don't. Yeah, don't, <laughs> I don't, don't do that think... to yourself. That's a, that, that down that way <laughs> madness lies, my friend. Um, and then LAFC at home, right? It, will we see the return of the five three two one? Probably not because no. you don't have Brent. You have you have Wyatt, and Wyatt is a uh, is. Uh, untrustable or something. Um, LAFC have not played well recently. No. And now they don't kind have Diamandi, who them. also, you know, uh, yep. is in substance abuse. Uh, um, but they, uh, but they got, but they, but they got Brian. So not PEDs, but separate issue. And obviously, yeah. you know, we, well, yeah, but the, kind but, of pretty serious potentially, but yeah, absolutely. And, 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 uh, on, on the sporting side of it, um, uh, it, it's, it puts LAFC in a, in a tough spot. Now they're playing Carlos Vela as a false nine um, up top. And so is, is Brian not getting any time? Are you a wing kid? I think he's playing as a winger. Really? He's yes. on the wing, right? Yes, 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 yes. He's, so they, you know, I'll bet Christian Ramirez is kind of like, hey, wouldn't you guys like to, can you loan me back for a little bit? <laughs> but so LAFC get- are also coasting to the supporter shield. And yeah. I, I think that there's some chance this being their penultimate game that they don't play their full lineup as well. So the, I think that, can you, I mean, Minnesota have to be Kansas city, but I, I think that there's a chance they beat LAFC again. Yeah. And I, I think totally that there, there is a very big, good chance. I know we're in a uh, Minnesota United podcast. There's a very good chance that LAFC, because they've got the buy and we've got the international break. They go two weeks without a game and they come back and they're playing uh, probably like FC Dallas, Real Salt Lake. And they just, just, they, they just come up and it's just, just total shit pants. Right. And, uh, and LAFC quote unquote, one of the best teams of all time in MLS, just, just go, go disappear into, into the, the, the playoff wilderness, um, which would be a shame but also not a shame if, if we go further. Um, happened last year. So. Yeah, so so I think so. The, the let me just hear your predictions. Sporting KC. Well, but and then that final game is against Seattle in Seattle, yeah. which if the Loons take care of business at home, could be a game to decide the second seed. Yeah, we'll have a podcast sure. next week, Alex. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, uh, um, but predictions, uh, Rodrigo. Um, I think we 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 win two one. Okay. On Wednesday. Okay. So. Oh, well, for Casey? Yeah, for Casey. LAFC? LAFC. Um, I, we haven't really played a Vela. So if he if he does get started, if he, if he does play, then mm-hmm. I think, you know, um, I could see us. Either, I, I'd be okay with a tie, but okay. I, I don't. Depending if we get the, the full the full brunt of the team, it, it'll, it'll turn. But if they will play the full, the full starting 11, I, you know, it could be a game that we. Walk away with a tie and it'll be okay. But, okay. Um, Alex? Yeah, I mean, my brain says four points, but my heart says I need the Loons to get exactly six points to win the Dunard. How many points will the Loons get in the final eight games of the year contest? Selfish. Selfish. Um, and so I'm going for. I don't even know uh, if I'm still in that. Three game. or six, either three or six points in this homestand. And then the requisite amount of points to achieve 13 in the the final game in Seattle. I'm going to say we lose against Kansas City and beat LAFC. That is exactly the kind of team we are. So 
I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go that. Let me uh, bring up sure. some Twitter questions. We don't have many because I didn't put it out until late. Uh, Chad Sepeda. Chad, I don't know how to say your last name, man. I'm sorry. Sepeda. Sepeda. No, I'm just joking. Probably. Actually, you're probably right. I see. Chad. Chad's one of the. Um, Chad's uh, among the uh, the cohort of people Cepeda. who is always like looking for a midweek game that we open up early for, so mm-hmm. that he can like work from. Work remotely work from, from the, the bar. bar. So, uh, so like Zellers, and I always like seeing Chad. So, sorry, Chad. Remind me how to say your name. What is the best cure for a bout of diarrhea? Asking for a friend slash friends. This is like the everyone in the team has gotten this now. They're all like wiping each other's asses and getting sick. So, I have no <laughs> idea, Chad. Justin Oakman says, "What will it take to free Minnesota's offense to finish goals, and what will it take to free Ibarra?" No one answered that last question because we all know it's Heath out. The first question is, what will it take to free Minnesota's offense? Because we have spin hit or miss or, you know, whatever. What More production from, I mean, they're, they're already doing pretty well on expected goals, but more production from the left. I mean, that's, they, they can't, not every attack can go through the right. They and need he, to have a threat on the left. Right, and who's starting on the left? So, oh, okay. Someone... Some either someone has to do well from the left. That's the problem. And Toby Sizer, obviously, we have a we have a type on this uh, on our listeners. Who gets on the field first, Free Ibarra, Olmsberg, or Angelo? And who are your twelve protected players in the off? Oh, I should have given you guys this one in advance in the off season expansion draft. Um, answer the first question first. Who gets on the first? Angelo. Angelo. Yep. I think it's probably yeah. No, what? No, repeat that again. What's, what's the Who question? Who gets on the field first, Ibarra, Olmsberg, or Angelo? Oh, Angelo. Yeah. Um, let's you know, Toby, save that twelve protected players for the off season because, like, we'll have plenty of like off season. We'll need something we need to, to do. Fill. Yeah, we'll need to talk about it. Yeah. Brandon, uh, Brandon says, if we do get a home playoff game, do you think the cost of our tickets will be the same? Hopefully, not jinxing anything. I. They, they they emailed out what the cost of home home playoff tickets would be. Like I was just recently looking at that, so they're not. I think there's like six or seven dollars more than what they're usually I, paying for. And now. I think what it is, you buy, you basically buy a package, uh, yeah, an advance, and then you get refunded if we don't. You know, if we only you buy like five games, and if we don't make them, you get refunded the four. Because right, if I if I remember correctly, when I was looking at it, my tickets were like between thirty five and forty two dollars, and that was for the first. The first game, and then it goes up, you know, seven dollars for each game that we would host yeah. at home. So, and it should be said that that makes a lot of sense because one of the big problems with the playoffs is, is especially for those historically for those midweek games, teams haven't had enough time to sell them, and they've been kind of not very well attended. Yeah. So, oh, we will sell. If you can, if you can, if, yeah. If you well, but if you can lock in as many people as possible for as many games as you can, I mean, it makes a ton of. And I, and I, I think you know. I, I and for playoffs, want to go? <laughs> I obviously play pay a lot less than a lot of people because I I'm in the supporter section. Um, it's a special thing, right? Um, we've yeah, never made I mean, the playoffs before, and so it, you know, paying, we are we are, we are at the house are considering because we usually have four season tickets. Yeah. That so that's you know 160 bucks. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we were to all go to a home playoff game, it would be like. Something to think about, like yeah. where I donate plasma or blood before we yeah. can go to the game, kind of thing. Yeah, and and for me, it's like I um, it'll just be me. So I usually I have two season tickets, and I usually uh, give one away, and so um, it's a little bit easier that way. My kids are way younger. Um, uh, Josh E finishes it off with how dangerous dangerous is it to play a drinking game around your Ibarra mentions? Um, let me just ask this: like, are we? crazy for talking about Ibarra so much talking about Ibarra yeah we talk about we talk about Miguel a lot um for a guy who has not played a lot I, th- I think well, you should like, listen to this segment and just take a shot every time we say Ibarra <laughs> Miguel Ibarra Miguel I, Ibarra, Ibarra? he when he's been on the field this year he has not been that great um and the team has been statistically better without him on the field which is I know contrary to one of the mantras of this podcast for so long um i think that it's always a little bit difficult to to tell why that is um because rightly the team has never been built around him but i should say that the team has not always even been built to accommodate him um and 
he's you know and and his role is sometimes hard to gauge as well because he is so good as a sort of shuttler i've said it many times like a worker bee moving moving the ball from player to player not actually creating the chance himself so I think it's a little bit difficult to say if he's been really poorly used this year or if he has not used his time on the field very well and and sort of earned earned his spot on the bench. I think that the reason why this is such a sore spot is because it is so symptomatic. I mean, we talk of a pattern. We talked about how Umsberg Umsberg not coming in is symptomatic of one pattern. I think Ibarra Barra's sort of saga is symptomatic of another, which is that Heath has a doghouse, and it's it seems to be a really it's it's like Alcatraz. I mean, when players go there, they're never seen again. And it's the Bermuda Triangle. It is weird because as we said we have this depth, and we have players with all kinds of different skills, and it's hard for me not to think that a manager should be able to sort of mix and match his skills with his opponent and where the team is at that moment. And, you know, keeping all these players happy because they're all getting regular rest, but they're also all getting regular time on the field. I mean, I I, I think that that's that's the kind of team I I wish we had, and, and I don't think we do. And it's frustrating when a player like Ibarra or even a player who we've, you know, we've criticized before, like Rodriguez, or a player with talent like Chacon, or a player who we think has talent like Amsberg. It's 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 frustrating when when you just sort of know that a player is not going to make the field, and it's got to be even more frustrating for that player. Um, and it just it just doesn't feel like it. It's like a something you see on a healthy team. Did you did you read the um uh Paul Tenorio's article on the Athletic uh, about Jesse Marsh uh in Salzburg and following him around? Did you guys read that at all? I don't subscribe. Uh, sorry. I'll, I'll, no. I'll screenshot it and send it to you. Sorry. <laughs> no, sure Jeff will be happy about that. To subscribe to. So, um, it, it is a, it's it's really it's it's really fun to watch him. And and Jesse Marsh's thing is he's not worried about the 11 as much as a lot of times he's worried about the other 17. And so managing these players who they're not going to be in the starting lineup against Genk in the Champions League, how do I make sure that they're still motivated to be a part of it? Because MLS requires depth. We finally have depth. And what do we see in the opposite world in Minnesota United where you've got depth? Okay, Miguel has not had a stellar year. I um I will I will not spend the time to quibble with the um the I think bad statistic of like who you know how many points have we gotten for who's played in so many games or whatever that I disagree with that statistic fundamentally. But um Miguel is a player who we all know his qualities and he very much like Robin Lud has not had a bad game this year other than was the one game where he missed two two goal two um, shots or you know um, and even then I thought he did well otherwise he's been fine but not very good he's been five to seven maybe he's been a little bit above a seven at one point but what he can do is what and this is what you're saying Alex what he can do is he can if you want him to come on and just fucking run around and jam up some shit and like keep possession of the ball, he can do that, right? Um, in a way that many of our subs cannot do. And that's where it's just like, why don't you use your depth? Why don't you use Angelo to be this fucking Pablo Campos fall over near the box guy? Why don't we use these guys for what they are? And it's your job as a manager. It's a very difficult job, but it's your job to get these people to buy into the whole team. Yes, you're a DP. You know what? Right now, what we need is this, this, and this. But I need you to come on for 30 or 20 minutes, and I need you to hold that ball up and fall the hell over. Um, that's what I need from Angelo. I need Miguel to do these things. You know, I need Chacon. I need Chacon. Look, I believe you're our future, but I think you need to understand MLS a little bit better, and I need you to come in and do this. I think at the same time, it's just, you know, like it's been alluded in, 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 in this podcast so far. It's just that 
um, the lack of development or the lack of um, building confidence or mo- motivating players who are not getting starting time? How, do, how, how are they doing that? How has that been handled at practice? We don't know, right? And and that's the one thing that concerns me the most is um, just creating a a cloud of negativity. That and we and we know how I know how sensitive Miguel can be because we saw it when he was traded out to mm-hmm. to um, Mexico and playing the Mexican league, and then he was played out of position, and he and then they they they, they switched uh, managers well, we, and and we so saw like when. Career, entire career turned around because uh, Bruce insulted him on the Do Nord Football Show. Yeah, Bruce so, and me. Hey, come on, give me a yeah. half credit there or a third credit. <laughs> but what I, I also like, just fundamentally, what upsets me is a player like Miguel Ibarra, who I like. There is no question he's a club legend. He is the now he's not the best player he's ever played for Minnesota, but he certainly is one of the. He's the player who put us on the map when he got called up to the U.S. men's national team in NASL. He is a player who's always fought. When I, when I when I wrote that article about Christian Ramirez leaving, Christian Ramirez was the magic, and I said Miguel Ibarra was the heart, right? Miguel Ibarra is the heart of this team, even though he, he may not be central to um, uh, um, like a captain type thing, but he's just someone who, as fans, you've always seen, he's never not tried. And uh, and that is something that fans appreciate. And when you see a player like that, simply shunt it off like he's nothing. Like if you saw Frank Lampard in his final days at Chelsea or whatever, you know, like just be benched or whatever. No, you like you show respect to that that person because the fans respect that. And and when you disrespect uh, what f- like f- this kind of attachment fans have, then yeah, I mean, there's there's a good reason. I feel like. Quite a few fans are either indifferent or fucking hate Adrian Heath, and, and I think also too it plays out that you know in that that Miguel has synergy with a lot of the players in this team. Like it's played with them before on the field, and should be and should you be need someone who understands how Darwin always wants the ball played to him right away or get get a, get a ball to him to be able to do something with it, understands that that the with the the irks that each player have. Yeah. Um, that 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 would be valuable on the field instead yeah. of giving someone else who had his is getting used to do that knowing all that stuff yeah. that um, you know you would you would think that someone who has that experience and understands that would get more more of a chance than someone who doesn't. So let's uh, let's um, cut cut it short because um uh, like we predicted at the beginning, Alex, um, this is one where we don't have that much to talk about. Now we've gone uh, uh, long. Um, I will say thank you, everyone. Um, <laughs> Colin Martin, Tuesday. Please come out and join that. Wednesday, obviously, there's the game. Uh, Sunday, there's another home game. Also, Saturday and Sunday mornings, um, uh, we are, like, trying to, like, break people's existing uh, habits of where they watch soccer. So please come join me Saturday mornings for uh, 8.30 Bundesliga, where I'm still, like, mopping because... I'm trying not to wake up too early, but enough early enough. Um, but uh, Bundesliga and and uh, EPL on Saturday and Sunday, um, we'd love to see you out at, at Blackheart. And uh, Alex, it's great to to podcast it with you again. Thank you, man. Yep. Rodrigo, as always, great to see you. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, guys. See you soon, guys. Thank you.